Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. We hope you had a safe and fun Fourth of July holiday weekend. Getting back into the swing of things, it feels like forever since Matt and I recorded both of our podcasts from last week. Early in the week, it feels like we've been do, uh, been away for a while, but it's good to be back. And on today's show, we're going to cover our usual routine that we do, a news of the day, and then we'll do some returner profiles uh, for the players for the Wisconsin football team. Then in the back half of the show, we have an interview with four-star off- offensive lineman Carson Hinsman uh, in the class of uh, 2022, uh, number two ranked player in the state of Wisconsin currently. He's uh, gotten a lot of big offers as of late, uh, so we had him to talk, come and talk his recruiting uh, and things of that nature. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Stick around for the back half. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing phenomenal. It's it's nice in a new uh, home office area. We just got set up, my wife and I did, so hopefully uh, it sounds okay on this end and hopefully there's no hiccups on the production end. But other than that, doing great. Uh, had a good 4th of July. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. We spent our 4th of July weekend kind of moving into our new apartment here in uh, the Fitchburg area. So my office is, is also going to take some getting used to. Uh, so hopefully you guys don't hear anything weird or I got a guy mowing outside. So hopefully that doesn't get picked up on the mic. But uh, that's life in the suburbs, baby. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I had a good Fourth of July weekend as well and now all settled and, and ready to get back into it. It was a good uh, good little rest uh, for me. You know, I know we recorded both of our shows last week. So good good time to get that out of the way and uh, have a good weekend. But uh, are you ready to hop into our news of the day? Let's do it. Here's what's happening. All right, guys, our news of the day. Uh, the first one that we're going to talk about is a big one, and that's the I, – I don't want to say and there's there's no confirmation or anything like that, but there seems to be a trend and uh, a trend of discussion going around the news outlets. I know the New York Post uh, put out an article about it, uh, on, I believe, on the 4th of July, uh, discussing the – possible um, implications and the possible uh, happenings of a spring college football season, which I know some other places have discussed. Uh, I know Lincoln Riley kind of mentioned that he thinks it would be a good idea. Some other schools have, have spoken on it, but not a put you know not put a name to the words, kind of anonymous quotes and things like that. I think a lot of people are thinking that might be the course of action, but until something's actually announced, of course you don't want to uh, guess or assimilate too much, but what have you made of that whole discussion? I know it's definitely weird because it's never happened before, but uh, it, it's seeming like it, it might be trending that way. So what have you made of the, the recent news on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds at this point. You know, I know the Ivy Leagues are discussing it, which, I mean, what they do isn't going to necessarily impact uh, the Power Five conferences and what they ultimately choose to do. 
Uh, but I think it's it's something to where, you know, you'd have Wisconsin playing in February, for example, which would be hella cold. And I know, like, Eric Burrell had come out and said, I think he tweeted about it when it was talked about early in, uh, like, April. He was like, that would be cold, <laughs> you know. So um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see just what they do. There's so many different variables to choose from and – different models that uh, are getting run through. It seems like things have kind of gone in waves because at the beginning it was like, well, maybe it'll be spring football. And then, you know, as of two, three weeks ago, things were starting to to look a little brighter and a little more sunshine on the possibility of, of college football having a normal start time. And then now things are kind of trending in the wrong direction and there's more bubbling up of this talk of the spring. So I, I really, at this point, it's anyone's guess what will happen, but, but it does seem like that more and more people are kind of talking about that as a possibility. Yeah, I think that's the, the important point is that it's seeming to be a bigger topic of discussion by more people and, you know, they wouldn't talk about it on, on some of these news outlets and, and things of that nature if it wasn't something that was being kicked around by people and, you know, in closed doors that way. So I know it's, like you mentioned, it's kind of ebbed and flowed back and forth where, you know, when this first all started, we were, everyone was kind of doubtful, got uh, back in the right direction and now kind of trending backwards. But at the same time, uh, it's it's better than, you know, uh, a season completely canceled. You know, you look at March Madness, that was completely wiped. At least this situation, you can kind of move some things around because you're not mid-season where you could at least have some sort of football season. Uh, whether it be in the spring, uh, winter, spring, I know here February is certainly still winter. In other places, it'll be spring football, but uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how that all kind of goes about. I don't know. Uh, I know there were some uh, discussions on if if they do that, it would be just a conference schedule, which would be disappointing on, on some ends of that. You look at Wisconsin's non-conference, of course, with Notre Dame. You got an interesting game with Appalachian State at home, so games like that would be gone, which would be disappointing. But at the end of the day. Uh, worst comes to worst to still have at least a football season and then really a small break leading into the next football season would certainly be interesting from a fan perspective. I know that might be hard on the players, but it's just a lot of moving parts. And I think these next couple of weeks are probably going to be the maybe the determining factor. I mean, you can't get too deep into July without having plan in place. So kind of, you know, like you mentioned with the Ivy League, I think they'll be the first ones to kind of lay out a plan, but I would think soon after that you're going to have to start discussing some of these things and, and possibilities and, and putting them into place and make a decision that way. Oh, no doubt, because as of mid-July, at least the initial proposal that was agreed upon was that teams are going to be able to start doing things in person, you know, actually involving footballs, and that's where, you know, if you want to if you want to in-person start, you know, where camps will start on August 7th, it's going to be really important that uh, everything is kind of running its course and that things are going uh, per usual. I know Barry Alvarez has come out and said that it doesn't, that they think they could get it ready in, you know, five weeks or, or less. But, but that, I mean, it's just one of those things where there's, there is a lot to still unpack and there's a lot of potential volatility within this pandemic, just given how much it's ebbed and flowed here recently. So, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how things unfold these next, really this next month and a half uh, as as teams are trying to figure out what to do and how to best navigate this really unforeseen circumstances that kind of have halted everything and sped things up and then halted it back. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be something to, to definitely keep an eye on. You know, I know 
Uh, the Ivy League is supposed to, like you said, make an announcement this week, I believe on Wednesday. Um, and, and I know, you know, of course, you're not going to follow what the Ivy League does, but at the same time, they were the first one to kind of pull out of, uh, you know, March Madness, their conference tournament. They were the first ones to kind of cancel that and everything followed suit. So it's definitely something to pay attention to on that and then going forward uh, to see how this thing goes. Uh, but if there were to be a spring football season, which, of course, we talked about being in February, uh, a little difficult for these northern states, but is there any sort of long- or short-term ramifications or impacts that this would kind of have on, on anything in your eyes? I, th- I think there, there's – there would definitely be some unintended consequences, such as I, I could see a guy like Trevor Lawrence saying, I'm not going to play. Like, there's there's nothing for me to get out of this. I'm, I'm going to be able to be a first-round draft pick whether I play or not. I'm going to be a top-five pick whether I play or not. And the only thing that can happen is people can poke more flaws in my game or um, I might get hurt and I'm unable to play. So I, I think the, you know, the 10 to 25 players who are like, hey, I'm for sure going to be a first-round draft pick, there's no reason for me to, to worry about that, would be players to watch. And then the other thing would be some of these, the early enrollees. You'd have a lot of kids for the 2020 uh, one class who are going to be supposed to be coming on campus in January. And if they're early on enrollees, which it seems like already the Badgers have quite a few players who have talked about enrolling early. I know Mike mm-hmm. Jarvis, for example, on here brought it up and a couple other players have talked about it, which is definitely a growing trend for players, is can those guys then play? Can they play in this spring semester as well? And then you have you have roster numbers and how those would all be kind of impacted by it. Like, can you travel with your fur, your full 85 or, it, you know, how everything involving kind of roster shakeups would be fascinating to watch too, because you might have kids who are like, well, if I can play then early, I'm going to graduate early here and, and try to make it so that I can play right away. And, you know, teams could fill some of their holes by saying, oh yeah, we really need, a quarterback, but we, we kind of swung and missed in 20, 2020 class, but maybe now we can get our 2021 kid on and get him into practices in January and have him ready by March or, you know, a few games into the season. So I think it would be fascinating. I think it's it'd be cool just to, to see how different things would be and how they'd have to navigate the NFL draft and all the other parts of it, but but at the same time, I think everybody's hoping for an on-time college football season. But at this point, it's it's there's so much up in the air. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. There is a lot up in the air, and I I, I don't know. You know, of course, these are going to be after the things that are you know you sit down and you talk about them, you come up with a course of action, you put it into place, and you live with it. And uh, I think that's something that the NCA and and the groups and committees around that are certainly going to be if they haven't already. You know, really starting to hammer away at some of these details if and when they have to make that decision. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that would be impactful to look for is, you know, injuries and things of that nature. Recruiting will certainly be something, but, you know, if you're playing in that early season spring ball next year, uh, that's, of course, going to impact you and, and anybody. You know, you need that proper rest. You need, you need an off season, so to speak, which will be much more condensed as you came into the following season. So, that whole part's going to be interesting. Everything, everything that you thought was, you know, kind of no-brainer stuff that's been in place for for quite a while is going to be interesting. So, uh, spring football is certainly going to be something that, if it happens, uh, of course, great. You're getting some sort of football, uh, which for these players and of course fans, you want to see that. Um, but 
it's certainly better than not having any football, but how it how the in and out details happen is going to be uh, certainly fascinating to watch. All right, our next piece of news, uh, we talked about it a little last week with these all Big Ten decade teams. Uh, a couple more announcements on top of uh, the, the players we talked about last week. Uh, Chris Borland, Michael Dieter, and J.J. Watt were all named to the all Big Ten decade uh, teams and on the first team, and then Jared Aberderis, Melvin Gordon, and T.J. Watt were all named to the second team, all Big Ten decade team. And it's kind of crazy to, it's to say second team and Melvin Gordon or second team and T.J. Watt is, is pretty crazy, but I know there's been a lot of, of talented players over the last decade in the Big Ten. But what did you make of all those guys uh, getting some pretty prestigious nods by the Big Ten Network? Yeah, I, I think it's a testament of how, how well the Badgers have played these past this past decade, I should say. I mean, you look at some of these guys, and they're who, who's who's of who have played for the Badgers here. Chris Borland was an absolute freak. I mean, I, I'm, you know, 5'10", and I can look the dude in the eye, but he had the broadest shoulders I've ever seen. And I've I got some good stories about him from, from back when I was in college. But the, the guy was fearless. He was just a tank running around out there and just made so many good plays. So, I think that was the guy who, who kind of jumped out to me as probably like the most deserving of those guys that made the first team. Obviously, Michael Dieter had a really good career, played all over the line and helped him out in a lot of ways. Watt also was was, was just those two seasons where he played at Wisconsin were crazy. Uh, you know, Borland had that season where he had 143 tackles and, and he had five forced fumbles, which was just like, those numbers are eye-popping when you look at it. And, and you had J.J. Watt as well in, you know, between 2009 and 2010 had 36.5 tackles for loss, which is, I mean, that is, that's rarefied air in, in a two-season span. So I think those guys really jumped out with the first team. What did you make of the other guys who were on the first team? Yeah, I mean, some of those guys are, like like I was saying, just – in terms of the first team guys, all three were, were really impactful. Of course, JJ Watt, you look at him, uh, future All Pro, you know, NFL player. That one wasn't really surprising. And then you look at Chris Borland's in terms of numbers, and you just think, wow, you know, I'm glad that everyone else around the Big Ten kind of picked up on that because, as Badger fans, like you mentioned, we you saw Chris Borland week in and week out, and you thought, wow, you know, this kid was amazing. Uh, and then, of course, Michael Dieter was another guy that maybe he didn't have as much, uh, you know, stats and numbers to back that up, but you knew that he was a big, impactful player on the first team. But really, to me, you know, none of those guys were surprised for the first team, but it's crazy to see guys on the second team, especially, you know, Melvin Gordon, a guy that, you know, I know Saquon Barkley was great, and he was part of the first team along with Jonathan Taylor, but for a guy that put up almost 5,000 yards of rushing uh, to be on a second team was, was eye-popping to me. But, again, that just comes back to uh, the sheer number of, of talented players that this conference has had over the last 10 years. You know, there's no slouches. Uh, you know, when you look at the Penn States, the Ohio States, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, all have had, you know, a good number of players on the team. But Wisconsin was right up there with uh, uh, naming some of those guys. And then I was glad to see Jared Aberderis on the second team as well. I think his career sometimes gets overlooked when you look at the guys he played with. Uh, you know, of course, Russell Wilson for that season. He had some, you know, really talented running backs, Ball, uh, Gordon, guys like that. Uh, so for him to get the nod as kind of uh, a second secondary weapon, quote unquote, for the Badgers uh, was nice to see because he was a, a very deserving player in my eyes as well. 
Oh, yeah. Abby was awesome. He was so fun to watch. He had, had over 800 yards receiving three straight seasons, uh, you know, 23 touchdowns for his career. He's he's by far one of the top receivers to ever wear a Wisconsin jersey. But but I think, like you said, with, with uh, Melvin ending up as second teamer, I get it because Saquon Barkley was so good. Um, but it's just crazy when you look at uh, Melvin's stats and you see that he had over 40 or about 4,200 yards between his uh, sophomore and junior seasons, you know, combined, which is just crazy. And he had, he had 41 touchdowns between those two years. But then you, you peel it back even further in his 20, in that 2014 season where they had, uh, obviously Gary Anderson was their, was their coach. Um, but, you look at the surrounding talent and offense around him. He put up 300. He had 343 carries. People talk about like the workload that um, Jonathan Taylor had. He never got anywhere close to 340 carries. Uh, he put up 200 or 2,500 plus yards, almost 2,600 yards. But but then you look at it at, at who they had at quarterback and what that offense was doing. They had more interceptions thrown than touchdown passes that year between <laughs> Stave and McAvoy. Like it's it, there was there was nothing around him. Like obviously Alex Erickson, talented player. You got Corey Clement running for almost a thousand yards as well. But but really, you look at the talent at the quarterback position and. Because of all the the messing around that the staff had done with that quarterback position, and neither quarterback was thrown over sixty percent, and they were throwing for like six yards an attempt, and throwing more interceptions than they were touchdowns. So it, it was Melvin Gordon and Corey Clement, and let them run, and that was the offense. So I, I think it's really even more eye popping to see Melvin Gordon's stats. And when I remember him as a runner, he's always going to be the guy that jumps out to me as the most talented back just because you got the ball in his hand, you know, four yards deep, and he was gone. Like, mm-hmm. he was he was full steam. The second he touched the rock, he was full steam, and, and there was no stopping him. So I, I think, you know, Badgers, Rod Dane was so fun to watch. You've got so many talented players, but Melvin Gordon was, was just different. He just hit different than everybody else in, in my eyes because of what he had around him in 2014 and just how bonkers that season was for him. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, both his sophomore and junior season, 7.8 yards per carry and 7.5 his junior season. That's just uh, and saying it just speaks to, you know, when, when he got the ball, it was you had to hold your breath because it was he could go at any time and, and bust a play wide open. And it seemed like, you know, of, of course, Jonathan Taylor had some big runs and some big plays, but Melvin Gordon, it seemed like a couple of games where as soon as he got it and, and got through the line, he was gone and, and nobody was getting a hand on him. So uh, definitely a tremendously talented player. And, uh, you know, I know, like you said, Saquon Barkley had a great career, as did Jonathan Taylor, but uh, Melvin Gordon certainly – uh, is in that discussion for one of the best uh, all-time, you know, college running backs and, and of course, Wisconsin running backs. But uh, definitely a guy that I think Badger fans miss watching and and will continue to miss watching. When you look at his numbers, it just kind of eye-pops it even more when you see kind of what uh, he brought to the table for the Badgers. All right, our next piece of news. Uh, this is actually some basketball stuff. Uh, Wisconsin put out an offer to 2021 five-star recruit Hunter Salas out of Nebraska last week. Uh, big offer, of course, a, a huge player uh, in the recruiting circuit. A guy, you know, any any five stars in Wisconsin basketball 
uh, in the same conversation is huge. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and see how it plays out. But what did you make of, of that offer uh, by Greg Gard and his staff? I think at this point the Badgers are kind of understanding that they have one scholarship to play with, and it's they can either bank it and roll it over to 2022 or you can shoot for the moon. And, and you know, they're looking at a guy like Hunter Salas, who I think obviously top 25 player in the entire country, uh, really good friends with Chucky Hepburn, so, so maybe there's a shot, I'm guessing that the staff wouldn't have thrown an offer to him if they didn't think, hey, we can at least maybe make some waves in this or we could have an outside shot. I think it's going to be a real uphill battle when you're battling Kansas, Gonzaga, Louisville, UCLA, and others. But you you never know, and that's why they're putting this offer out. But um, I think it is telling that the offer went out. It's not like they're sitting there sending out offers to Bronny and other players, you know, so like that they know they're not going to get. So it's – it's, he's a kid who would definitely have a chance to play right away. Uh, you know, we, we look back to um, the the Tyler Hero decision, and there's a lot that goes into that. But Wisconsin was also in a very different position that year because they they didn't have a need that the guy that Tyler Hero could come in and be an immediate starter, basically. Hunter Salas could hypothetically walk in and, and be an immediate starter with the Badgers if if you were to, to choose them. I doubt it happens, but you look at it, he's gonna be it's gonna be him, Johnny Davis at at, at you know that com- as both kind of combo guard guys. Then you could go three guards and, and pop um, Tyler Wall as your as your sixth man and and do some stuff with that. So I think. If you're going to get a five star, now's your shot because they have so they have so little proven talent coming back next year, season. So it'd be like, hey, you got just as good a shot as everybody to be a, a very big contributor and be a starter. So I doubt it happens, but at the same time, the who knows if the stars just align on on this. And Chucky Hepburn, I'm sure, will be pounding the drum to to get him to Madison. Oh, most definitely. I think Chucky's got to put on his best recruiting hat. Uh, and try and get a uh, hunter on campus because he is, you know, uh, a five-star player, of course. You know, at either sport, football or basketball, five-star players are, you know, a lifeblood of a program. When you land them, uh, you hope that they can turn into their full potential, uh, and that would be, of course, the same situation uh, with the Badgers. And I know they've got an uphill battle uh, with Gonzaga, Kansas, uh, UCLA, and Louisville all kind of in the conversation, but you never know. I mean, you you got – if these guys have connections, yeah, if, you, if you can, you know, we, we, we interview these recruits uh, on the football side as well uh, that, that when you got uh, your buddy in your ear constantly telling you, you know, trying to get you to do this, trying to get you to do that, to, to come over there, that makes a big difference. You know, these, these kids talk a lot. They text a lot. They're in the group chats uh, trying to convince each other to come that way, and we've heard a lot on the football side in terms of interviews. So it'd be interesting to see uh, if Chucky Hepburn can continue that recruiting trail about – uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But certainly an interesting offer for the Badgers. You know, They're not going after every five-star player uh, that they can, but maybe they feel like they've got uh, a leg up that they can, they can work on. And if it happens, great. If not, you know, they took their shot. You can't, you can't uh, be told no unless you actually ask. So uh, it'd be interesting to watch how that plays out. I, I, I actually like, compare it almost to Nolan Rucci, similarly, where it's like the Badgers don't necessarily need to bring in another offensive tackle. But if you've got a five-star offensive tackle that's somewhat interested, you put that offer out, you do the recruitment knowing that, hey, we don't need this. We could always roll this scholarship scholarship over to 2022, which I think if they don't hit on somebody that they really want in the 2021 class, that's what they'll do for basketball. 
football, but but really, I mean, that's the type of thing where he's probably going to be the one and done or two and done type kid where it would probably actually benefit their scholarship numbers because most of the other 2020 and 2021 kids are going to be, you know, probably three, four, or five-year guys. So it, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's just a matter of can, can they close on that big of a recruit, and it's going to be stiff competition. Most definitely. Fingers crossed, Badger fans, to see if they can uh, land uh, Hunter Salas on that big offer uh, put out with the coaching staff last week. All right, let's hop over to some returner player profiles uh, for the Wisconsin football team. We're going to start with Tyler Beach, uh, a guy that has played a little bit, kind of gotten worked into the fold, and certainly the opportunities look like they might be in in a little bit more. Uh, this upcoming season, but what did you make? Uh, what do you make of Tyler Beach as he comes back this year? I, I think he's definitely got an inside track to be one of the starters. I think he's probably one of the most talented five linemen on the team. We when we talked to um, David Mormon, he he brought up that he thought that Beach had the best pass set, pass pro set. So uh, as a as a guy who can really pass block, um, and he's got the size to lean on guys as a as a run blocker as well. So I think at right tackle is probably where you're going to find him because Van Lannan's not changing anytime soon. And um, I think you know at this point he's a redshirt junior. It's it's kind of now or never for him, and he's got the talent to do it. So he he's already had spot starts. You know against Purdue he. He started at left tackle for Van Lannan against uh, Illinois. He started at right tackle against Illinois. Or, uh, he started at right tackle. So I, I think he's he's got the experience now. He's got the inside track. It's just going to be a matter of him going out and proving it and doing it. So I think he's definitely going to be one of the primary guys that they're going to be leaning on. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you look at the the guys kind of in contention on the two deep uh, on on all the positions. Tyler Beach is definitely going to be a guy that's towards that top five. And you know, Joe Rudolph likes to rotate and get his best five guys on the field uh, at the position. So I think the right tackle position makes a lot of sense. And uh, in terms of talent, Tyler Beach has got it all there. And you know, talent and size. He's played a lot of football. Now to maybe get him into a more consistent role, you might even see a little bit of elevation in his game. So I'd be interested to see. Uh, where he lines up next year uh, in this upcoming season, because I think he's definitely going to be a guy that is in the mix and, and likely a starter uh, if everything goes as plans uh, for Tyler Beach. All right, the next guy we're going to touch on is defensive end Isaiah Mullins. Not really seen much of the field. Uh, I think he played in one game uh, in 2019, but uh, and of course there's some depth at the defensive line this upcoming season, but a, a kid that was a pretty talented kid out of high school, uh, recruited pretty hard. Guy that I don't know if he cracks, uh, you know, a starting spot. You know, when you've got uh, the guys that are already kind of in place on the defensive line, but certainly a guy that uh, provides some depth will be uh, important to have. So, what do you make of Isaiah Mullins as he comes back this season? Yeah, I think I think Mullins is a really talented defensive lineman. That for really what he, where he's at, he he's just kind of stuck behind a couple really good defensive mm-hmm. linemen in front of him with Garrett Rand, Isaiah Loudermilk. I think you look at 2021 as a spot where he's probably going to be, if all things align for him, one of your starters with, with Henningsen. I think he's he's talented. I, that The video that we put up on Instagram, it's his lone tackle of the season, but 
that was a play. Like, he, he absolutely threw Daniel Falele, who everybody by now should know that Daniel Falele is like a 400-pounder who's being looked at as a potential draft pick later on in his career. And he threw him like a rag doll and then and made a, a tackle to stuff the running back from getting to the first down line. And, and that was a really impressive play. And it just shows you just how strong he is. I he he's nicknamed uh, I think like the mountain by his by his teammates or something like that and for good reason because he is a big strong human that I think really is going to have an opportunity now that he's kind of bided his time to to play I think he'll rotate in there a little bit but really it's hard because you've got Rand you've got Henningsen you've got Loudermilk so there's only so much playing time actually to go around but I think really you look at him 2021 he should be uh, in the thick of things. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, you're going to need guys that hopefully get uh, their feet wet a little bit this upcoming season that can then grow into a starting role. And it looks like Isaiah Mullins that's kind of going to kind of be the spot for him. So exciting to see uh, what they can make of him. And again, like you mentioned, I think you hit the nail on the head. Talented player, got a lot of potential uh, as a starter down the road. But right now, there's just you're not going to you're not going to you know knock off Garrett Rand or Isaiah Loudermilk unless you come in and are just a pure freak athlete making plays left and right uh, and even then it's gonna be hard to beat those guys out because they're tremendously talented players themselves so uh, I'm interested to see where Isaiah Mullins ends up but I think like you said 2021 will be a year that could uh, really uh, see a jump in his game all right the next guy we're going to talk about kind of a similar situation um, a guy that really came through for the Badgers last year early in the season and that's Jack Ashenbach. If you guys have listened to the podcast regularly, you know he's one of Matt and I's favorite players on the team. Uh, we, we've we talked about him probably more than any other Badger podcast out there, big fans of, of his game. Uh, came in last year, tight end room was really banged up. Got got you know He was a, brought in as a walk-on wide receiver, got moved around a little bit, put on some weight. Uh, I think that's kind of his main goal is this season is to continue to put on weight, but Definitely a guy in terms of the pass game I think could be a, a really interesting prospect going forward. Uh, he's big, 6'6", got a big frame, long arms. It's just uh, getting used to the blocking, you know, having your hand in the dirt as a tight end. That's a hard thing to try and uh, learn and have to imagine. So definitely a guy that stepped up in a big way last year, and the, the tight end room is much deeper this year. But what do you make of Jack Aschenbach as he comes back this season? Yeah, I, th- I think the big thing for him is is adding that weight. From what I've read, it sounds like he ad- has added a good amount of weight. It sounds like he's closer to that 250 range, which is which is perfect given the fact that he was in the 220s or so, 230s last year. And I mean, the kid can run for his size, which is mm-hmm. I think really his his biggest attribute is his pass catching ability, his ability to run at that size. Uh, we'll see if that kind of continues given the added weight. He's going to have a lot more competition in there. You, you've got guys who have now gone ahead and had their redshirt season to get prepared and, and kind of season themselves to get ready. But I, I think the tight end position is so hard to play right away as a freshman because there are so many intricacies of it and there is so much uh, technique that is involved with what you're doing. So I think some of those younger guys are going to pop up that redshirted last year and and kind of take away some of his opportunities possibly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but I think if it all depends because you've also got um, – uh, 
Gabe Lloyd coming back from injury, he's another guy I think, who I think could definitely play. So I, I think Eschenbach has a lot of tools that you want out of a tight end position. It's just going to be a matter of um, all of them are kind of going at each other and see who wins because he has some, some real talent to, to utilize, it, but at the same time, so does everybody else in that room. So you've got to make sure that your best is just a smidge better than the guy you're going against and the guy who's in, you know, your teammate trying to, to earn reps. So I think he's a guy to watch, but I, I'm not going to declare that he's going to be, you know, in the too deep at tight end for, per se. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree with you. There's just so much talent that, we, you know, the Badgers have been trying to build at that position. Uh, you you got to applaud him for what he did last year, coming in, stepping up, and finding himself in the two deep with you know some unfamiliarity at the position. But now that that position is a lot deeper, a lot of different talented guys, a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. So it's gonna be interesting to see uh, how his future plays out with the Badgers. But definitely a guy that uh, when you look at the raw tools, the, the speed, the size, if you can put on that weight and learn the position, uh, an interesting prospect for the Badgers at tight end for sure. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the show. Uh, go ahead and stick with us for a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get on to our interview with four-star offensive lineman Carson Hinsman. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very uh, special recruit uh, for the class of 2022. Uh, it's four-star offensive lineman Carson Hinsman uh, out of St. Croix Central High School in Wisconsin, one of the top uh, high school players. Uh, in the state of Wisconsin for that class of 22. So, Carson, uh, first off, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. really appreciate uh, you guys having me on here. Yeah, no problem. We were happy to have you on. We always like uh, talking to recruits and, and prospects of that nature, and you're certainly one that I think Badger fans will love to hear from. And we always like to start our conversation with recruits and prospects uh, just talking about uh, your game a little bit. Uh, as an offensive lineman, what do you feel are some of the strengths of your game? Um, well, li- living, I mean, around our area, all we do up here is um, just hard-nosed smash-mouth football. So um, I've been really, like, great, greatly coached, I should say, um, in the way of just uh, run blocking and just absolutely dominating the guy in front of you. That's kind of all we teach up here. I mean, I think we passed 12 times last year in total. Uh so, That's perfect. <laughs> so, so all we do is about just some triple and veer, and um, that's kind of made me able to get a lot of uh, speed along with uh, just kind of overall power going through. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely practiced uh, some past uh, past pro, but it's more or less just um, even on our passes, the coach kind of says, well, uh, you can run block, just not as far. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just, I don't know, I guess. That's kind of one of the uh, biggest things that I like to see, um, at least when I watch myself play, is kind of a more of aggressive kind of um, way of t- approaching the line and stuff like that. So I guess that's probably what I'd say I get or I have. I don't know. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. I'm just kind of sweating up here. No, you're all good. You're all good. Um, you know, on the flip side. What are some things that you want to improve upon kind of as you're getting ready for your junior season or hopefully your junior season here? Um, I mean, everything. Uh, especially this year, I've been looking forward to a little more endurance just because of how we have to play both sides of the ball. And I don't want to just be dominant or I don't want to just, you know, give everything to one side and not have anything else on the other side. I, mean, I want to be able to give 100% on both sides of the ball. So 
Endurance has been has been big. Uh, speed is always a big one. Uh, hand speed and foot speed and flexibility is another big one. Um, I mean, I, last year was actually the first year I ever got to play offensive line, so uh, just trying to kind of improve on all the skills that comes with that. So, uh, yeah, I know especially because a lot of guys in our our line have you know a little bit of trouble with their speed speed. So as a group, we've been trying to overcome that and get that ready for this upcoming hopefully season. Yeah, for sure. And and kind of going off of that, of course, COVID-19 has, has really put a strain on things uh, in terms of, you know, improving on those things. Uh, what have you been able to do? I know it, it's probably been different in terms of workouts and things like that, but what have you been able to do to kind of stay in shape and, and get, uh, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, like you kind of mentioned there? Uh, we have a really uh, unique and great opportunity that we have. Um, I, I live out on a, on a farm, so we have a a bunch of sheds and we took one of our sheds and took some weight equipment and <laughs> put it in there and uh we got a bunch of guys over we call ourselves the shed crew uh, i know if you looked up you could probably find a little bit of that but um we've had a lot of guys just come out from my school um and school surrounding and we've gotten just immensely better i mean it started out with four guys and we ended up with like 20 or 30 so uh no we just i've had i've had a really like great opportunity because i know a lot of my buddies just haven't been able to get out there at all so um, the fact that they could come to my place and we could just kind of get better as a team has been really great. And that's great, especially, I mean, it helps build camaraderie with you guys too. And, and, and while you're also getting ready for the season, you kind of can maybe not skip a beat, whereas normally you would. Um, in looking on your, you know, you got 247 and rivals and other different sites. On your profile, it says you're about 6'4", 270. Uh, is that accurate or have you grown at all? Kind of, I mean, in in the end, you are a sophomore in high school. I'm sure you're growing. Uh, yeah, I just kind of measured up. Uh, we had a test out day, I think it was two weeks ago, and I was six five or just like just just under six five. So um, about six five two seventy five right now. That works. We'll round up to six five. You got to make yourself sound bigger, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, kind of going off that you mentioned, you know, you you play both sides uh, of the football, but do you play any other sports as well in high school? Uh, yep. Um, my dad actually was a a pretty good basketball player, so basketball was kind of my first uh, sport to go to. So I started with basketball. Um, so I play basketball, football. Uh, I did track last year. I was going to do it again this year, but I mean, obviously COVID, and then. My buddies are trying to push me to do uh, double up on wrestling with basketball. So uh, we'll see if that's a possibility this year. Um, if not, I'll just do some freestyle. Wow, yeah. I mean, four sports, that's a that's a grind. But at the same time, if you can if you can make it happen, I can only imagine that you'd be pretty damn good on the mat. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just, um, after practicing with those guys for a little while, I mean, you can kind of, feel almost yourself doing some football moves, kind of working on that leverage and that um, kind of moving around and kind of using your body and learning how the different ways you can use those muscles to, you know, kind of advance on your opponent. So uh, there's just different ways to kind of look at things other than, you know, the previous sports have done. So um, plus it's really fun to uh, kind of suplex the guys. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Um so do you guys, uh, obviously you said you've been working w with some of your teammates here, getting ready, the shed crew. Um, do you have any goals for yourself or your team when high school sports hopefully start back up here? Um, I, I always tell them um, my expectation is a state championship. I don't, I don't ever expect anything else. 
Uh, last year was our first year that we haven't been to the state championship in almost three years, so um, it was a little bit disappointing. So I I've told them a lot. I mean, I'm I'm just ready to go back out there and just just pound on some guys. And uh, I know we got some great competition coming up with surrounding schools, so I'm just really excited, looking forward to it. I ho- I'm re- hoping so hard that we get our first uh, out of conference game that they don't cancel them because uh, the team that we would play. Uh, New Richmond, which is pretty close to us. I mean, they they moved up a conference now because they're they're way way bigger than us. But um, uh, last year during our homecoming, we got beat by them pretty handily. So uh, they got some brand new turf, and I'd love to put you know just a, a good beat on them. On <laughs> That's a good attitude to have, and, and certainly you know a, a talented program. I like your guys up there. Uh, certainly, uh, state championship is is not out of the question for a program like that. So hopefully, you guys can. Uh, attain your goals that way. Uh, let's switch over to recruiting a little bit. Uh, you've received some big offers over the last few months, LSU, uh, Alabama, Miami, I know Michigan, and I believe you had family from there. I was reading an article uh, doing some studying earlier, but what has that kind of process been like? I know uh, I'm sure as a, uh, as a high school sophomore going into your junior year, it's when this stuff really starts ramping up, but what has that whole process kind of been like to you? Um, I've been really fortunate to kind of have the ability to kind of jump on it early because I know a lot of guys that will try to push it off, push it off, push it off, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're just getting swallowed by it. So um, I, I've been really uh, just blessed with the opportunity to get on top of it early and kind of, kind of I don't, don't want to say pace myself, but kind of like get that mentality of, you know, how this is going to go and um, what things are going to come of it. I mean, Nonetheless, it's absolutely insane. Like I, I, I never imagined in 100 years that I'd be getting uh, opportunities from Alabama, LSU, and those you know insane uh, just schools. So it's it, it's been pretty fun, uh, a little hectic, but uh, overall, I'd say it's been it's been fun. Just kind of going with the flow and uh, kind of seeing where it takes you. I think that's the right mindset to kind of go with it, just because it can be kind of topsy turvy. Um, but, you know, you have a lot of great options to choose from, and that's probably going to grow as time goes on. Um, but right now, which schools are kind of recruiting you the hardest? I would say the schools that have been on it the hardest have been Notre Dame, Wisconsin, um, Iowa, and a little bit of Penn State, but probably those top four. And, of course, I know you're a long ways from, from making a decision, but is there any certain factors that you're really looking for as you look for uh, your future school? I mean, I've always been uh, told that once you go there and you kind of experience it, you just kind of feel, you know, this is, you know, this is home for you. Kind of that culture and that, just mm-hmm. that, that kind of thought process and like, in you can kind of feel it, you know, when you walk in into their weight room or talk to their players. How I mean, they're not flashy, you know, they're just, they're just here for grinding and win some championship with their with their guys. I mean, get the boys out there and you know, let's go pound on some guys. I mean, that's <laughs> my favorite mentality of anybody um and that's what I always try to do with my my buddies is just kind of go out there and um make stuff happen so that's what I'm kind of looking for when it comes to a place and kind of where it just feels like it's home and honestly it it could be uh it could be Syracuse to Hawaii I don't I really don't know but wherever that place feels like is just I'm, I'm looking for it and um I've had some really really great opportunities to see some schools that have gotten um some pretty good uh they've got pretty really 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 close to that so uh i'm just really excited to go out there and visit them again and see what they got 
Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you, you do have a, a whole boatload of options to choose from. Um, kind of shifting towards your, the, the in-state school, um, Wisconsin, did you grow up a Badger fan or go to, the, go to any games kind of growing up? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, my mom has – I have an eight, uh, a jersey when I was eight. My mom took a bunch of pictures of me, and I always wanted to be a, a big Badger guy because that's the only only team we cheered around our cheered for around here at the time. And uh, it, I mean, they're an amazing program, and always watching uh, you know JJ Watt go through there, and guys incredible like that. And I don't know, I just they're they're an incredible program. I can't give them enough credit for everything they've done. Um, but yeah, all, all around, all around here, it's either you're a Badger fan, you're a Gopher fan, or for some reason at our school you're an NDSU fan. So uh, that, that's that's about what we got around here. That makes sense, uh, especially up there for you guys. Um, kind of uh, going off Wisconsin and the staff that way. Is is there a certain person that you've kind of been primarily talking to, and what kind of has been their uh, their message to you? Um, Coach Herring, uh, I've had a lot of talks with him. Him and uh, Coach Chris, I've been really honored to be able to talk to him a little bit along with Coach Rudolph. Uh, maybe <laughs> they always say, you know, we're just kind of waiting for you to come home or make that decision. Uh, so but they've done, a, like I said, they've done a really great job. And um, I love talking to those guys. They do such a great job. Uh, speaking of kind of talking to guys, you know, the 2022 in-state class is just crazy loaded. Uh, you know, it's extremely talented. We've had the chance to speak with Billy and Braylon on here on our podcast, and they both mentioned that you guys have a group chat going on. What's it been like to kind of just talk with those guys, get to know them, and, and kind of what's your relationship like with those? Um, you know, I know people say it's like the Super Six or whatever, but what's the, your relationship like with, with those guys? Um, it's great. I mean, I have nothing but respect for all, all of them. I mean, we our group chat – uh, kind of changed after, you know, some guys have been ramping up their game. It changed from those, uh, the Super 6 to the Legendary 22. So uh, we've, been, uh, we've been really uh, having fun just kind of talking to each other. And, I mean, we're all kind of going through the same thing together. So uh, it's been pretty fun uh, seeing their side of, the, you know, how, how they go about recruiting. And, I mean, like I said, I, I have nothing but respect, especially for Braylon. He's a really great guy, uh, again, with, like, Billy and Joel, Joe Brunner. Yeah, it's a, a very strong class and a group of guys. And kind of speaking of, you know, the six main 2022 guys, you were able to have a Zoom conversation with Joe Thomas. Uh, what was his message to you, and, and what was that meeting uh, kind of like? Uh, Joe Thomas is the um, – obviously, you know, he's one of, if not the best linemen ever to go through uh, the NFL. So uh, I, was not, I have nothing but, you know, uh, like respect for him and – Everything he does, his message was, you know, obviously to go to Wisconsin, but um, just kind of outwork everybody else. I mean, he, you know, he obviously he battled, battled some injuries, um, and he kind of pushed through it. So, um, I don't know, he just he's such a humble guy for how crazy of an athlete or a competitor that he was. So um, that was honestly one of a kind of experience. So it's been it was pretty cool. All right, we'll, we'll leave you on this one, uh, kind of talking about Joe Thomas, obviously legendary uh, NFL lineman. Is there any lineman that you kind of um, try to take little pieces of their game to try to get better from and kind of maybe watch film on them and see what they do that and try to take that into your own game? I wouldn't really say it's one particular lineman. I, I just kind of look at different 
um, lines and uh, from different teams in the NFL, you know, uh, NCAA, anything like that, and anything they they do that's insane. I just kind of, uh, kind of, you know, just kind of mentally note it down and be like, you know, I might have to try that sometime, but um, or just kind of work on that a little more. Uh, but like, obviously, I watched a little bit of Joe, Joe Thomas's film. Um, Larry Allen, uh, watching him a little bit too. So, uh, just some some crazy guys. Yeah, lots of talented guys to watch for for sure. Uh, Carson. We appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us today. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in your junior season, and hopefully uh, football starts up for you guys without a hitch, and we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Have right, a good one. Fans. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. Thank you.